With the Magisters on their very doorstep, the group separates, leaving Rolandier, Brynir, and Barty in the material plane. Vamok, Luna, Kadagas, Val, and Mick have transported themselves to a separate pocket dimension in order to hide from Magister Morden's leering gaze. Now, on the steps of the inn with Brynir, missing a hand, bleeding, covered in vomit, and crap, his own, Barty and a surgeon stroll up, seeing these dozens of magisters who do part ways, leading up to Magister Morden, so you're able to walk up to him. This human surgeon is, like, nervously adjusting the, this, like, monocle on his face and clutching his medical bag to his chest, like, shaking after seeing the magisters, and he whispers in your ear, You didn't tell me anything about magisters! Barty turns to the surgeon. He says, now, don't you worry a bit. I know the look of a good customer when I see one. You look, I tell you what, you go down those stairs right now. You're going to find out what you need. Excuse me, sir. I'm just trying to get some medical assistance for a friend. He took a terrible stumble there in the cellar, bringing up a new great brew. You all look like them thirsty men. Uh, my name is Bartholomew, sir, and yours. He says, sticking out his hand, which is once again the size of an average human's. Magister Morden shakes your hand a little cautiously, and he says, I'm Magister Morden of the Twelfth Rose. Goodness gracious me, you of the Church of the Ten Truths? The one and the same. <coughs> Excuse me, it's not often that you meet someone of great power. Can I get you a drink, sir? We have some actual important business to attend to. Is, is this your establishment? This is, in fact, Lerald's love. This is my humble, and I will admit humble, in. But, uh, sir, I understand you have important business, but it would mean the world to me if I could serve the church just a little bit. Please, sir, please. I've got the finest brew down there in the cellar, and we can get your business right after I treat you and your men to a drink. Now, this whole time, Morden's been, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, like, <laughs> trying to butt in, but obviously this southern charm is not allowing him to. And when Bartholomew finally stops speaking, he says, yes, yes, but... Could you just answer me one question quickly, then? Uh, and then course. you can attend to our every need if you so damn well want to. That would be my unique pleasure, sir. How can I assist you, Magister? You are then entirely unaware of any goings-on related to intent here. Is that true? Sir, I am a mere humble, fellish innkeeper. I don't even know what intent is. Uh, I mean, I have the intent <laughs> to serve you well, so if that's what you're talking about, then... Uh, <laughs> call me guilty. But beyond Please that... Please roll deception with advantage. <laughs> <laughs> it's 21. That beat my insight. So Morden gives you another once over and is like, very well. Um, Care to God. And he turns to the other magisters. Send the lot back with you. I'll take six here with me and we'll investigate a little further. And one of the magisters just goes, aye, sir. And then the majority of them pad on back down the road and start stalking their way back toward Bastion on this fine evening. Magister Morden still has six Magisters with him, a force to be reckoned with for sure, but the Magisters enter at Morden's behest, but Morden looks down and he says, This fellow of yours, uh, a bar hand perhaps, or one of your many lurid guests? He is a... Uh looking a hand short, actually, but he is, in fact, Barhand. He had a rather fiery temperament. See, it looks like he got him into some trouble. Yes, I can... Oh, one moment. And he bends down and 
he mutters a few words to himself, uh, and you you just catch like bits and pieces of these phrases, but they're they're verbs, they're actions. It's like stitch and fix and grow and bend and rack, and you see Brynir's hand basically rematerialize good as new. He's still unconscious, mind you, but for all intents and purposes, Seth, Brynir is now stable, but you're still unconscious, let's say. And then he stands up and he says, well, I don't mean to, of course, inconvenience you, but it seems then you are a hand short. If you do not mind, I'd like to go down to the cellar real quick. I'm going to pick up the barrel. I'm going to bring it right back here, and I would like to treat you all to the fairest brew this side of King's Peak. Very well, but you will permit us then to restrain this servant of yours. If it's all the same to you, I think just having him here, honestly, is too much. He looks like he's getting a little sick. If you don't mind, I'll lock him. Could you lock him in the outhouse? I'll take you over there right now. It should only take a few minutes. I just, I don't want him getting my entire establishment dirty. It'd just be a real inconvenience. Yes, of course. Saris, Wilfrin, go with the proprietor here. I'll be waiting for you at the bar, my good man. So Bartholomew guides them. Uh, they kind of take Brynir to the outhouse. Yeah, and they're just like dragging him like one arm over one guy, one arm over the other guy, and they're just like dragging him feet behind them through the snow. Uh, where hopefully he can expel some of the worst of his things and gather himself prior to coming back in. I then, in that case, Bartholomew does take the attention to turn his head so he doesn't choke on his own vomit, because he will continue to do that unintentionally. And then Bartholomew just turns the other two. Now, what say you we get in there? In fact, I think I might just have enough time to whip us up some mulled wine as well. Come on, come on now. Very well. One moment, please. One of the magistrates says, and he turns to the outhouse where you've, you know, placed Brynir inside, and where the door kind of connects where the lock is, he says, weave and grow and connect and you see the wood and the metal kind of mesh together and form a quite difficult to break lock that keeps it firmly shut Brynir inside we're gonna flash downstairs to the basement as this uh, monocled doctor opens the door just looks down these stone stairs and goes past the cellar and what and then into the giant summoning circle magical ritual chambers like, oh, Agabov, protect me. Sarath, Sarath, hold me. Sarath, guide me. And he's like making signs and like twirling his little signet ring. And he's walking down the stairs and he sees Rolander and he's like, oh, this must be the one he spoke. This must be the one he spoke. Don't look, don't look, don't read, don't look. And he comes down and he sets his bag beside Rolander and he opens up his surgical tools. He mutters another prayer to Sarath and gets to work. Bartholomew, take it away. All right, Bartholomew walks in and he says, he, he gestures, you know, he kind of points the two magisters who are accompanying him to a seat. And they're all kind of lined up at the bar, you know, nice little place, whatever. And he says, now I was telling these two fellows, it's an awful, frightfully cold day out there. Um, Magister Morgan, beyond this brew that I do intend to grab, could I interest you in my grandmother's famous mulled wine? I'm sorry, her what? Mulled wine? Mold. Mold, yes, yes. <clears throat> now, I, I am absolutely certain that a man like you, refined man like you, has had to have tried mold wine at some point. I, I'm not asking. I'm giving. You, sir, need this. This will change your life. Are you cold, sir? Was it a rough walk over here? Indubitably. And I understand that a rough walk like that, I mean, in this weather, just trying to do your duty to the people, making it happen, making it work. Now, sir, you can excuse me, but that just sounds 
hard. Pour the goddamn drink, won't you? <laughs> you're right, you're right. No, no, no. I'll be on my way. I'm going to go to the cellar real quick. I'll grab it. Be right back. Bartholomew descends to the cellar where there are drinks. Like there's, uh, this is the pre, pre-giant cellar. He goes down there. He walks past. He goes down to the cellar. He sees the surgeon already working. And he walks very quickly over to his bag of implements that has been left to the side. Um, and he starts digging through it. And just over his shoulder, he says, Now, how's that going for you there, sir? Good gods above, you startled me by the ten truths. This, this man is in worse condition than you described. He's barely holding together. I need you to keep him alive for 24 hours. Can you do that? I'll do my very best, but his insides are... I won't describe it. It doesn't matter. I need 24 hours. If he is breathing in 24 hours, I will solve the problem. Right now, I need to make sure we are still breathing in 24 hours. So can I leave you here, and can you take care of it? Very well, but I'm tripling my fee. Gosh dang it, pull yourself together. (laughs) You are a man of medicine. You are a healer. Your hands can touch the very soul of man and fight off death swinging his foul sword. Look at me! And he grabs him by the collar. Look at me! (laughs) When I come down here, the magisters will be gone. And if this man is not alive, I am the one you are going to have to answer to. Now ask yourself this. If I can get rid of dozens of magisters, what can I do to you? He just nods silently. (laughs) Freaking Bartholomew. Dude, dude, it's going to get good. I'm super pumped because I never think this is going to come up. But uh, he pulls out a couple of things, and he's mixing up something really together, and he's da-da-da. And so he's got uh, a small drink. He walks up to the cellar, grabs some wine for his mold wine, grabs a couple of the ingredients. You know, he gets the classic spices, cinnamon, cloves, that sort of stuff. And he grabs a barrel of brew. So he's got like a sack, and he's got a big barrel. And he's really enjoying the fact that his arms are now a good six inches longer than they normally are. So it's much easier to carry that barrel, and the sack is actually holding on pretty well. So he walks up the stairs, and he says, Now, my friends... Are you thirsty? Now, somewhere else, far, far away, or perhaps very, very close, in a plain wooden 30 by 30 foot room, stands Vamak, Val, Cad, Luna, and Mick. Luna kind of steps into the room, just looking around its mundane features. It's like, where, where exactly are we? We are in a pocket. If that makes sense. It is a trick that I learned from my previous patron. Wherever there are planes of existence, you can open up little gaps between them. And that is what I did. And that is where we are. We are in between worlds, so to speak. We should be safe from detection by Magister Morden or any of the others. How long will we be able to stay? We can stay indefinitely. This place will not expire. However, I require a rest. I will not be able to create the doorway again for some time. We will be here for a little while. How long is that exactly? Luna looks up at you. I must rest for a few hours at least, but in order to properly regain my strength and any magical capacity... I would say eight to ten hours. So Rolandia could die in between now and then, and we wouldn't even know. It is possible that he could die, but very unlikely. Bartholomew is quite a cordial fellow, and if he returned with a doctor, I am sure he found a way to treat 
Rylander's wounds. Luna uh, starts to pace back and forth, and she's like, "No, no, I, I, I can't. I, I, maybe you can, but I can't just stand here and, and wait. I, I have to go back." Luna, uh, I, this is a stupid and silly thing, but um, I have a game <laughs> we could play. Is it your one-person game? <laughs> Valisant's modified it. Mick, in teaching Mick, he has learned that it is a one-person game, and it is now a two-person game. <laughs> well, it's charming. Val, this may escape you, but I am not a child. Of course you are. I am a child. She's fuming. <laughs> and <laughs> she looks at Kat, and she's like, I'm going. And he's like, no, Val's right. Going would be stupid. And you may not be a child, but you're also not stupid, are you? Well, I mean, last time we met... Shut up, both of you. The fact of the matter is, unless any of you know how to conjure a doorway between planes, and you know which planes we are sandwiched between, it will not be possible to leave until I am able to cast the spell again. I think the Vimak is right. We all need rest. Especially you, Luna. Luna is still pacing back and forth, and she's like, "No, no. We, if if he dies, it's on us. It's it's on me. I sent you there." And Catagas kind of like motions to to Vamak and leans in. He's like, "Though that may be true for most of us, I doubt it's true for her. If you could help a little in keeping her here, Luna. What? Think of the alternatives. What would be better?" To trust in our companions, and to trust that Bartholomew is administering to Rolandir. Or would it be better to barge in there, weakened, bruised, and bloodied? I am sure you have seen our state. I didn't mean anything about bringing you. I don't know if I could. Luna, it would be suicide. I am sure the name Magister Morden means something to you. Cad coughs. <laughs> And Luna just glares at him. Yes, it does. Then you would agree that it would be wise to bide our time to make absolutely sure that we have a plan that will dispose of Magister Morton without getting anyone in the crossfire. You are so concerned about Rolandia right now. What do you think Morden would do if you were to suddenly appear? Would he simply... Let Rolandir go? Let him and Bartholomew go about their business? Keep the other tavern guests entertained? No. If he knew that you were even somewhat connected to them, I believe he would kill them on the spot. And and you think that Magister Morden is, is just allowing Bartholomew, allowing Brynir to sit idly by? No. He is a sly fox. He will see through their lies. He will find out and he will kill all of them. Cut to like Bartholomew, like doing bartender tricks. Like, with the <laughs> <laughs> well, right now, Bartholomew's actually, he's like, so he's like, he, with one hand, he's stirring uh, the mold wine. So he's like, one hand, he's got that stirring and there's this really great aroma of spices and wine in the room. And then he's also pouring with the other hand another, you know, like the next round of drinks for these guys. Just, you know, this is just the greatest time. The the six magisters there are completely enthralled, and Morden looks like he couldn't care less. Uh, he just looks at the, the at peak annoyance. Uh, back to the room. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, Luna, Vamok is right. 
Morden is, of course, a force to be reckoned with, and I'm sure now after these years, even more so. Though I'd like a crack or two at him again. I've got a score to settle after all. It's wise for us to stay. He turns to Val. Val, why don't you teach us all this this game, then? What What's it called? I, I, well, if we're going to add uh, additional players, I might need to amend the rules again. Val, don't worry. I know the game. I could teach it to Cad or Luna. Oh, well, yes. I, I modified it since I taught it to you. It is now a, a, a two-player game. Uh, but if there are five of us... Are there five? <laughs> I didn't count how many of us are in this room. <laughs> yeah, there's okay, five. Great. If there are going to be five of us, I might need... It, it, it's called Aneda Tisura, Sword and Shadow. There will only be four players. I myself require rest, and I will do so. And Vermont goes to lay down. He just turns over faces the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Now, this room is, like, bare, isn't it? Or are there, yeah, like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's um, just a wooden box with a door. Well, there is no door right now. Yeah, there's no door. We're just oh. in a wooden box. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that would actually be really terrifying. Uh, Val will turn to Luna and ask very gently, will you play? Through gritted teeth, she just goes, fine. Val will take that as a success. <laughs> And uh, sit down and get out his dumb platinum cards that he has. <laughs> I forgot how stupid this game is. Uh, he'll get out his platinum cards and um, amend the rules for four players. Now, just just for the listeners' sake, Laurel, because I don't know if this has come up organically, but this is basically a game that Val invented in his free time that equates basically to solitaire, but he wasn't aware of that. It's spider solitaire, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a game he invented during his enforced quarantine for that, like, decade that his parents never let him leave the house or see anyone. This is the game that he invented. In the hopes of playing it with another person only to find out that only one person can play it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> As Vamok lies down in this bare room, turning to face the wall. <laughs> Mick, Luna, and Cad sit down with Val to learn how to play Sword and Shadow. Back in the tavern, having just finished their first glass of mold wine, everyone... Last glass of beer. The mold wine comes in later. After finishing their last glass of beer, a primer for what's to come, <laughs> the magisters, except for Morden, again, just look incredibly enthused. Morden's glass is untouched. Bartholomew, having taken this time to be a good host, uh, he turns to Magister Morden. He says, Now, uh, forgive me if I put words in your mouth here, but uh, I suspect you're here to inspect the property or something like that? Uh, yes, if it weren't for the boy that stopped us from coming in, uh, that I had to whisk his hand away, we would have been done and out of here in a matter of minutes, I assume, having apprehended whatever culprits lie in these... Now, sir, what? I think this is the most important thing you could be doing. Could I suggest, then, this mold wine here is going to take about a half an hour on the fire to get her nice <laughs> and strong. What do you say? It's a cold day out, and it's always best to have a good drink after a cold day out. We do our inspection of the outer grounds, because you and I both know that these illegal magic users, or what did you call it again, sir? Intent. That's it. These illegal intent users, they will do it right under your nose if you let them. They try to trick you. So please, please come. I, I, I would feel much better. If you would be willing to do an inspection of the whole grounds, then I can treat you all to a cup of wine, 
and then you can do a quick look over here as you said a matter of minutes and you can be on your way stomach's full a nice warmth or free of the trip back to bastion does that work for you sir very well. You will take me then outside on the grounds, and we will inspect the adjoining buildings and whatever sheds and whatnots you have, while my magisters here will comb through your upper floors of this establishment. That sounds like a perfect, perfect compliment. I knew you were a smart one, sir, when you came in. Come on. All right. Gentlemen, just so you're aware, if you're looking for the occupied quarters, uh, as far as I know, we've got guests in room 9, 17, and 23. Now, the other ones, they could be even more suspect, you know. When there are empty rooms, are the devil's playground, as my grandmother always said. <laughs> what? Hey, sir, if you could accompany me, I just... What? <laughs> I would feel better knowing that my entire area is free from these malicious intent users. Borden just gives you, like, the most baffled expression and stands... Uh, his magisters also stand and they seem a bit tipsy as they start to move about the parlor and up the stairs one kind of trips over his robe a little and recovers upon seeing that Bartholomew comes now now, gentlemen you're looking a little rough so I'm going to tell you two things go slow and if you could wait until I get back for downstairs because that that staircase is crazy and I don't want anyone getting hurt yes you did mention someone took a nasty fall didn't you absolutely tragic so, yeah, you guys take the upstairs. Let me show you the shed out back here. I have been thinking something is off about our woodcutting shed for weeks now. And having you confirmed there's no problem, that will just, that will put a put a great balm on my soul. And uh, Bartholomew begins a not excessively long tour, but maybe a more complicated tour than is strictly necessary of all of the grounds surrounding <laughs> Little Slum. <laughs> As you do uh, exit into this frigid evening air, then, heading toward the woodcutting shed, or whatever you called it, Morden is looking about and says, Now, you aren't one of those superstitious folk, are you? To tell you the truth, have I seen some things following me before? Yes. And I will never break a mirror. Uh, plus, you, you know you can't walk under ladders. But I'm not a very superstitious man. I like to think of myself as appropriately cautious. I just believe that if you think that there aren't people and beings out there who are trying to hurt you, you're you're fooling yourself. You're acting without any sort of foresight that could be protective and save you. So better safe than sorry. And I, I appreciate you doing this for me, sir. Really, it, it means a lot. I didn't know who to go to. I've only been here for a short time, the proprietor of this establishment. And it's uh, sometimes it's hard getting your barons in a new place. Sarah above, just please tell me that you're not one of those folk that thinks there's some sort of hob in the rafters of your woodcutting shed or some lob lie by the fire on the parlor floor. Now, now, sir, now, actually, the issue is I've been hearing folks talk about a, a tiny little thing that'll steal your children if you let them close. <laughs> now, I don't know why, and I don't have any kids, but you could understand what that would do to a businessman's reputation if one of them there creatures... Stole the kids of every parent who passed here. That was just an absolute tragedy. You, well, sir, are really heaven sent. There are no small creatures about that steal children. I'm afraid the only things in this world are humans and kin. And murderers and rapists and the like stem from both of them. So I doubt you have some sort of goblin or whatnot in your shed. Perhaps just a vagrant or vagabond. 
and he draws his rapier, which you kind of see glistens with this purplish-blue hue as it escapes its sheath. Uh, upon seeing this, you see uh, Bartholomew, he opens his eyes a little wider and says, that, sir, is quite a weapon. I'm, I'm a peaceful man. I, I, I try to avoid violence at all costs. But there is a certain beauty to that. Um, but just real quick, just these two places here, you check them out. We'll have a drink, and then we'll just get you guys out of here. Finish up our inspection, of course. You know, don't want to change anything. As the two of you reach the uh, woodcutting shed, Morden just beckons for you to pull it open. Opens it up, pulls it open, and inside there is wood. And there's a man in the back corner taking a leak. Oh, no. He kind of looks over his shoulder at you, a little sheepish. He's like, oh, Oh, I, I'm sorry. And he starts pulling up his trousers. <laughs> Looking at him. My gosh. Yeah, you. It, oh, 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 oh. It's just a man. Oh, no. I, uh, the outhouse was, was occupied, so. you uh, Turning to Morton, he says, does that just look like a man to you? Morton, with, again, just the most unenthusiastic glance, looks at the guy, looks back to Bartholomew and says, Yes, it is merely a man. And then he turns to him. You, what is your name? And what room are you staying in? I'm, I'm Wilbur. I'm staying in room 23. Well then, get back to it. Yes, sir. Master Magister. Good, sir. He nods to both of you and then skirts past, still like tying up his breeches. Well, your woodshed may have a foul smell to it, but it's not caused by any witches or ghouls. Bartholomew turns to him and he says, Sir, you have my utmost gratitude. In fact, he holds out his hand once more to shake his hand. He reluctantly shakes your hand. Now that ain't enough for me and you know it. He pulls him in for a hug, gives him a couple of taps and just says, Sir, you, you've, you've saved my life. Here, come on in. We'll get you all up there. We'll finish up this inspection. We'll get you guys out of here. How does that sound to you? Very well. Um, at this point, Brynir's probably coming too. He's stuck in an outhouse. Your trousers are soiled. The front of your shirt is covered in your puke. Um, you've got a nasty ringing headache, and your arm feels like it's uh, like 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 you've like it's been asleep forever. Weird, tingling, numb sensation. But it moves just fine. All groggy and whatnot. Brynir is coming to still kind of like in a daze and just thinks to himself, I think I must have hit the bottle too hard again. And then he tries to open the door. As you do, you notice that the even though the lock is not engaged, the door just kind of shudders when you push against it. And you see that the metal and the wood near the lock have actually fused to keep the door shut. Brynir starts banging on stuff as he he's starting to remember a little bit. He was like, wait a second, what the heck is happening now? And <laughs> he was like, there was this guy that showed up and then why do I have my hand? And he just, he starts trying to like bang on everything, trying to find a, a weak spot in the, the wood. As you're violently banging against the door and the sides of the outhouse, this ruckus comes to the ears of Morden and Bartholomew across the yard. Ah, it seems your huh, diligent servant has awakened. 
Yeah, I want to tell you the truth. It's probably best just to leave him there. <laughs> Honestly, I can only imagine he's going to cause more problems for you. So why don't we, we get you all finished up here? I'll take care of him afterwards. You you were already too kind restoring his hand like that and helping him get out there. Just I mean, too kind, sir. Indeed, too kind. I can take care of him afterwards. Very well. If you wouldn't mind solving that problem immediately, I'll show myself inside and take the liberty of interviewing these guests of yours. Please do, sir. Obviously, feel free. And Morden strides away back toward the tavern. In a small wooden room in a pocket dimension across the universe, about 20 minutes later, the first game of Spider Solitaire is successfully concluded. <laughs> <laughs> Luna looks confused. Cad looks wildly interested, but equally confused. Win again! <laughs> Up for another round, Caddy! And he's just like, Cad just like scratches his phone. And he's like, yes, I just. I don't get it, but I must. <laughs> Especially since this is some version of Spider Solitaire that two people playing against each other, one of them can win. Correct. <laughs> now four people. Or oh, that's the great that's the great trick. There isn't. Mick just says he wins every time. <laughs> Nobody can win. <laughs> With all of this ruckus going on. Vamak rolls back over, turning away from the wall, looking at everybody. <laughs> and, you know, he sits up. It looks like he's about to say something in a frustrated type tone, but you just see him let out a breath. Well, it appears that this game is very enthusiastic, and I doubt that I will be able to get much sleep while it goes on. So... While I am awake, there is something that I am curious about. Val, when I met you, you wore a cloak. It was black, and it had stories written on it in magic. The stories were interesting. However, you do not wear this cloak now. You have not worn it since we returned from Tentaver's realm. What is it to you? It is shadows to me now. I no longer remember the people whose deaths I described, and I feel no sorrow for them. Sorrow. That is not something that I have felt since I was a child. You see, where I come from, sorrow is weakness. Regret is weakness. Goliaths live... Only for glory, to outdo themselves, to find something bigger and better. Only to meet their demise. And because of that, I shunned their society. I separated myself from it. Only fools think that dying is strong. But now that I travel amongst all of you, you seem willing, or perhaps even eager, to lay down your lives for some greater cause. And why is that? What is the source of your conviction? Because as I see it, anything that would lead to my own death would be considered foolishness. I am afraid you will not like my answer very much, Zenbamok, because it is foolishness that guides me. 
Cad kind of leans forward, like whispering to himself as the two of you are talking, and he's like gathering up the cards. He's like, well, I think this is done. <laughs> 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 really killed the mood there. <laughs> uh, to be perfectly honest, of my own shortcomings, remark, I am an idiot. That much was evident. <laughs> and Cad also pipes up and he's like, mm, I see why you and Luna get along so well. And she punches him. <laughs> but, idiot or not, you have, or at least you had, before the business with Tentaver, conviction, a drive, a fire. And now it is lessened, in my estimation. Luna, also adopting a serious tone, speaks up and says, I too have trouble remembering, though I catch glimpses of faces and names and cads filled in the blanks of everywhere else and done the best to reconnect what was there, put me back to where I was, but she turns to Mick, she's like, Leirotes and and Kelnies and Ifran, they escape me still sometimes. Perhaps if anyone could tell a story and spin a tale. And she just kind of trails off and wide-eyed, inquisitively looking at Mick. <laughs> Batting her eyelashes, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, oh, you mean me, perhaps? I could tell these stories. Why, well, I'd be delighted to. These were some of my good friends, actually. And if you care, Vermark, about my motivation, that's the reason why I stick around, is for those friends. I've never had, but... There's always a first for everything, right? And what do you gain from them, these friends? Gain from them? I think that you have a completely backward perspective. I don't gain anything from them, really. It's just something I've never had before. I just feel like I want to contribute to something more. Perhaps, Vermark, it's not a question of what one can gain, but what one can give, no? But why would I give? Why would I diminish my own self for the sake of another? It is a mystery to me. Well, give yourself some time. I'm sure the God of Wisdom will rub off on you eventually. Perhaps that is why I ask myself these questions. Whereas perhaps Tentaver has already gotten a hold of my mind. But it is of great interest to me. I have always sought power, but it is never enough. Gain power from the devil, from Vale, from an ethereal tentaver. It is never enough. Yet somehow, none of you seem to have the same problem. It seems to me that's where you have been diminishing. Not in giving yourself to others, but in seeking power. Perhaps you should learn a lesson from all of us. Take me, for example. I've given myself to this company, and I feel that although I've sacrificed a lot, or a fair amount, maybe not as much as some of us in the present company, but I feel I've gained a lot more. I mean, look at me. I could I could finally face myself in the mirror. And then I briefly go into my original self and then come back into my tail like Cad leans forward, and he's like, Mick's right, after all, and 
You seem to seek a pure power. The source, then, of these ethereals. The highest order of strength. Have you never asked yourself that perhaps there is none? But there must be. There must be some power. Something out there that the truly strong possess. If not, then we are all fated to die like the foolish ones of my clan. It is as if we beat against a mountain, expecting it to move. But in the end, the outcome is always the same. Well then, Vermok, you have, I think, quite a bit of wisdom yet to gain for... And he just kind of puts a arm around Luna and he's like, for some of us can move mountains. We're going to go back to the inn as Bartholomew uh, reaches Brynir and the outhouse. Nah, Brynir, seems like you're awake. Barty, you're back. Let me out of here. Yeah, uh, a couple of problems. Um, one, I can't. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but there's a, the, the door doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean the door doesn't exist anymore? Uh, so traditionally, the difference between a door and a wall is the fact you can open a door. Party, don't make me bust this thing open. I would. I, I actually need you to bust this thing open because I. <laughs> I don't carry weapons, sir. I don't harm things. So what I need you to do is bust this open, uh, preferably not yelling, because I may need some backup. Right now, I think I can get them out of here and out of our hair. But you, you remember that part where I said I don't kill things? There are six of them, one of me. And they seem a little bit more interested in making that six of them and zero of me. So I could use some backup. I could also use someone to check up on Relandir. I haven't been able to go down there, actually. I mean, come on, man. You you do like 90 push-ups a day. You've hacked up enough wood to have built this outhouse six times over. You're telling me you can't break down this stupid door? What do you mean 90 push-ups? That's just practice. Warm-up. <laughs> Rainier. Either way, the point stands. Open the door, do it quietly, and possibly have your axe ready, because if not, we might all die. Well, I don't know if you noticed, but I never took my axe upstairs. Do you know where my warhammer went? It's sitting amongst your crap and vomit lying on the dining room floor. Now, I've cleaned it up as much as I can, but frankly, I didn't enjoy that much. So, I need to get in there before they go downstairs. I'm going to run to that doorstep, get that hammer, and I'm going to throw it through this crescent moon here on this dear outhouse. Every outhouse has one. Don't contradict me. <laughs> so he's peering at you through there. <laughs> Bring your space in your crescent moon. <laughs> I do not care what you need to do, but get this door open, do it without screaming, and possibly kill someone. But wait until my signal. I think I got this. Fine. And so Bartholomew runs quickly to the front door and trying to avoid being seen, he grabs this warhammer, which is oppressively heavy, and runs back to the outhouse. And he's going to look for the thinnest part of the wall there is in this outhouse. And he's going to try with all of his might to stick it through so the hammer head can get through because then he can just pull the handle through. You could probably fit the handle through, not the head. Oh, okay. This is, this is, here's the plan. It's an outhouse that is outside. Every piece of wood outside near the ground will rot. Thus, 
the boards near the floor of this outhouse are going to be weaker than the boards up top. So he's going to take it like a golf club and he's going to swing it at those boards. And he's just he's just taking this warhammer. This is Bartholomew. Takes it, swings it at the boards. He's just trying to get it big enough to where a little bit of the head can go through, and then Brynir can figure out what to do with it. Do a strength check. Eleven. While Barty was going to do all that, I'm gonna go ahead and say that I took some uh, healing thingies, uh, the hit dice. Yeah, you've had time for for a short quote unquote rest. I, actually, no, I I don't think you can, Seth. Like this has all been pretty heated since you woke up. You haven't really had a chance to like sit and rest and recuperate. But if you'd like to break out of the outhouse, you can do a strength check. Um, that's a 26. So as you push forward on the door, it doesn't buckle, it doesn't come off its hinges, but as Bartholomew simultaneously strikes at this rotten wood at its base that cracks and buckles, the back half of the outhouse then also rips up, and the entire structure just tips forward, um, carrying you inside it and smashes on the ground with a splash and a crash, splintering into pieces, uh, and the crap-covered Brynir is free. <laughs> I like that epithet for, for Brynir. Good job, Barty. I, I didn't think you had it in you. So Bartholomew takes his hammer and says, hands it to him and says, like I said, I think I can take care of it, but I need you as backup on my signal, okay? Well, what's your signal? It'll be really clear. Like, attack them. (laughs) (laughs) Fine. And he takes the warhammer. Inside, downstairs, the surgeon is working away on Rolandier. He's given him some numbing agents. He's basically uh, rearranged a bit of his insides at this point. He's stitched him back up. There's blood on the floor. There's blood on his hands. And then Rolandier comes to consciousness with a great big gust of breath. <gasps> and the surgeon's just like, oh, no, no, please, please, stay calm, stay calm. Who are stay you? Calm, Who are you? Stay, What's going stay on? Stay calm, stay quiet. By Sarah, by Sarah, please uh, don't hurt me. Uh, I'm not You're... going to hurt you. You're obviously helping me, but where are the others? Your friend, the the ba- Bartholomew gentleman, he sent me here. He's, he's, he, he paid me to administer to you. There's magisters, magisters all around. <gasps> and they're still here. How many of them? Well, there, there were quite a few, but then they all left, save for for seven. There, there are six of of the normal sort, I guess, whatever you call normal when it comes to magisters, and then that Morden fellow. All right. Well, did anyone say anything about taking care of these fine gentlemen? I'm not sure. I'm just here to fix you up. I promise. I don't know anything. Uh, all right. Very well. Thank, thank you. It feels tolerable what you've done to me um I think for the time being we need to find a place that you can hide I doubt it's going to be a very pleasant few minutes that are coming up no I don't think it will my dear friend Morden says stalking down the stairs from above rapier glowing with blue purple flames <laughs> <laughs> 